Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Winning cures everything. Now for your hosts, Gary and Chris. Welcome in. Winning cures everything, number 250. We have got a lot to discuss. We're closing down on the college football season. College football week 12 recap is today. Our playoff predictions, our winning cures everything top 10. And we got a special guest in the house. No Chris today. No Chris today. Uh, as always, the show is brought to you by Tunica, Mississippi, the South's premier sports gambling destination. You can find more information on all six of their awesome sports books over at tunicatravel.com. You can always follow us on social media, facebook.com slash everything. You can follow us on Twitter, at winningcures. Let's quit wasting your time. Let's jump into this thing. The College Football Week 12 Recap. Brought to you by Tunica, Mississippi, the South's premier sports gambling destination. They got six awesome sports books down there. Fitz Casino, Hollywood Casino, Samstown Casino, First Jackpot Casino, Gold Strike Casino, and Horseshoe Casino. Six of them. You can find more information over tunicatravel.com. Go check that thing out. You can also check us out over at winningcureseverything.com. Everything you need to know about us. Social media, YouTube, podcasts, our picks, everything else. Winningcureseverything.com. If you're on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. Help us out a little bit. We got a special guest. I'm Pops. not Chris. Pops is here. Chris is is gone. He is in Disney World. Here, let's make sure we got we got that mic where you can actually hear you. So, it, get, give me a test. Give can me a test. you hear me now? Yeah, yeah, we're good on that now. All right. So he's not used to that. This is my dad. So you want to go by Lee or James or, or what? Lee. Do you, we'll do Lee today. All right, Lee's good. Now I may I may just call you Pops, but either way. So let's uh, let's jump into this thing. Yesterday was a dud in a way, but for the most part, kind of interesting. I mean, the Ohio State Maryland game was interesting. We'll start off with that. So Maryland fails to convert a two point conversion, which they should have converted. Which they should have converted. Don't forget talking that mic. <laughs> They should have converted that. It, it was wide open, wide open pass. Uh, Pegram 
Is that how you say his name? I don't, I don't even know. Uh, failed to convert that. He missed a wide-open guy. But on the day, Ohio State gave up 8.63 yards per play. That defense is atrocious. On the year, they are giving up 5.91 yards per play. That is number 85 in the country. That is tied with two other teams. Do you know the other teams? No, I have no idea. Rutgers and UCLA. Yeehaw. Yeah. It's uh, it's real bad. It's I'm talking awful. Urban Meyer, throughout the game, and I don't know how much of this you watched, constantly having headaches. He's throwing his headset. He's like he's bending over in obvious pain. He's done this multiple games this year. That's what I was going to say. I think we've seen this before, I and think not this just is, this year. No, this was this was Florida back in 2010, right? Yeah, like that's that's what this is leading to. He's now now I have seen this before, where everybody kind of counts him out, and then I mean, does he beat Michigan this weekend? Like, I, it's not out of the realm of possibilities because if if he beats Michigan, I think they're getting in the playoff. I don't know that they get in the playoff, even if they beat Michigan and beat them soundly. Because of, of how bad they've looked all year? Because of how bad they've looked all year. And you can't lose to Purdue by, by three touchdowns. touchdowns. Yeah. I mean, it's. Especially this Purdue team that has now lost two in a row and three of their last four after beating Ohio State. They're five and six. They got to win at Indiana this coming weekend just to make a bowl game. Uh, and a lot of this could be, like, I've also seen this. Tom Herman did the same thing when he knew he was getting the Texas job. He mailed it in. So, you know, how much of this is Jeff Brom just saying, okay. I'm going to Louisville. I'm, I'm going home. I don't care. Whatever. Uh, they did put up a fight. I mean, they put up 44 points. But either way, that's, uh, that was not a huge game. Wisconsin did win that ball game, though. Uh, Ohio State, I don't know what to make of them. Like, obviously, they can score with anybody, but this puts them in the same conversation. Like, they're basically Oklahoma, right? Like, I don't think they're garbage. I think they could get stops sometimes if they need them. Maybe. Maybe. But at the same time, like, this is another one of those, who have they actually beaten? Like, Penn State, and that's, who has anybody beaten this year? There are so many three-loss teams. There's only two teams in Power Five that have two losses. Nobody That's, can play anymore. No, it's you've got your top eight, and then everybody else is nah. Every, it's like nine. Put them all in nine, a bag yeah. and pull one out. Nine through sixty is the same team. Yeah, the same. Like there, anybody can beat anybody on any day. Except for the bunch that's down in the hundreds, like Arkansas, like we saw yesterday against Mississippi State. That was terrible. That was a bad, bad ball game. Uh, here, I, I know this is one that that you. Had to enjoy ping pong. We're going to go over to game number two that we, uh, that, well, topic two that we'll discuss. Oklahoma State 45, West Virginia 41. Taylor Cornelius, 30 out of 46, 338 yards, five touchdowns, two interceptions. He also had 13 carries for 106 yards and a touchdown. And my favorite running back name of the entire year, <laughs> Chuba Hubbard. 26 carries, 134 yards. He had five catches for 24 yards and one touchdown. This sets up Texas in the Big 12 title game, and we'll get to Texas next. But West Virginia on the road is a completely different team from West Virginia at home. 
Which leads to Oklahoma. Which leads to Oklahoma going to Morgantown next week. We know that Oklahoma cannot stop anybody. Is West Virginia going to be able like to... Looks like West Virginia can't stop well, anybody. Especially not on the road. Yeah. Like, they're they're terrible on the road. Um, what, what do we make of Oklahoma State extending the bowl streak? And, and like, this was fun to see Taylor Cornelius, a fifth-year senior. He won the starting quarterback job. Nobody really thought that he would. What what do we make of this? Like, it, do you... I don't know what to make of West Virginia. I don't know what to make of anybody in the Big 12. Nobody can play. <laughs> but this goes across I'll the keep, country, right? I keep saying it. Nobody can play. Yeah. That's uh, that's what I... They can all play offense. Everybody's learning how to play offense in the 7-on-7 seven seven camps when they're in high school. Well, that's something that I... Like, in my top 10, it's something I'm going to point out. So, I, I've got numbers up here that kind of distinguish between, you know, it, defense and offense. And it, you'll see that here in a little bit. But I... If you can't, that people have. Let's move off of Oklahoma State. Let's move off of that. Let's jump into Texas. Texas twenty four, Iowa State ten. Tom Herman knows that defense wins games. Now he doesn't have the team that he wants just yet, but, but he's getting yes, there. Yeah, he they outgained Iowa State yesterday four hundred five to two hundred ten yards. The rushing yards difference was one seventy nine to sixty two. Like that is. As we have always said on the show, run the ball, stop the run. You're going to win more games than you lose if you do that. Sam Ellinger went out with an injury. That's kind of scary. It's a it's an AC joint. Did you see what this was? Something with his shoulder. Something with the shoulder. Um, but Shane Bichelle came in, 10 out of 10, 89 yards, one touchdown, and they ran the ball effectively the whole time. Like This game was never in doubt. It was 24-3 to before Iowa State scored a, a late fourth-quarter touchdown. In uh, Texas winning this game, and then if they beat Kansas this week, then Texas will be in the Big Ten or Big Twelve championship game against either Oklahoma or West Virginia. So at this point, Texas owns the tiebreaker over Oklahoma. So if both of them have two losses, Texas gets in. And now that West Virginia has lost a second conference game, if they lose to Oklahoma, they now have three, and now you have Texas Oklahoma in the Big Twelve championship game. Again. Which is, it, everything was set up for the Big 12 to cannibalize themselves and West Virginia to, to win in Morgantown over Oklahoma and then play them again the next week in Arlington and then lose out. Because West Virginia at home is a different team than West Virginia, you know, elsewhere. So, at we'll, you know, I'm going to skip ahead. I'm going to skip ahead. We got these out of the way. Let's move over to Oklahoma. I should have put that in there. Oklahoma 55, Kansas 40. Now, before we start talking about Les Miles, before we bring up the hat, Oklahoma can obviously score. But they gave up 40 points at home to Kansas. They can't hem up a pig in a ditch. Did you see <laughs> the yards per carry that that Kansas got? No. 9.7 yards per run yesterday. 330-something yards rushing. It was the most ridiculous thing because so I've got the the Apple TV and I've got my iPad and I've got my laptop and I've got like six games on at a time. And I'm watching this game when it got to be 35 to 24. It was right before Kansas scored that, that touchdown to make it 24. And 
Kansas could move the ball almost at will on this team. So I looked up yards per play. Oklahoma gives up 5.8 yards per play, which is actually better than Ohio State. They are number 78 <laughs> nationally. Um, and we'll get into more about the yards per play thing, but like ESPN has been shouting for months now, it feels like, probably just weeks, that Oklahoma is one of two or three teams that could give Alabama a ball game because they can score. Oklahoma won a 28-21 to overtime game against Army because Army kept the football for like 41 minutes of the, or 40, it was almost 45 minutes of the ball game. Oklahoma had it for 15 minutes. If you cannot stop somebody from running the football, Alabama, Clemson, Michigan, Notre Dame, those teams will eat you alive. If Oklahoma does win out, do they belong in the playoff? I don't think so. It's now what would be a reason to put them in? Like just for the stylistic challenge? What you've got with Oklahoma this year is the same thing that you had with Oklahoma last year. Well, yeah. They're they're not gonna give you anything that anybody else out of the Big Twelve wouldn't give you. That's true. So And it, it to say that, it's kind of the same thing with Washington State, right? Only Washington State is a they are a better defensive team. They're a little bit better defensively. But how much of that is playing in the Pac-12 against That's, you know? <laughs> like, that's I mean, true. Like The fact that Ohio State plays in the Big Ten and they still give up the 85th most yards per play in the country is just astounding. Like It's, it's unbelievable. Because you, you're playing Michigan State and you're playing Rutgers and you're playing... You know, like how do how are you giving up that many yards? Uh just bananas. Uh let's talk about the the big game of the day. Game day did not go here, but this was in the Bronx. It was at Yankee Stadium. Notre Dame thirty six, Syracuse three. Eric Dungey went out early with an injury. Obviously that played into the game. Uh but I don't think it would have made any difference whatsoever. He brings an awful lot to their offense. Is it just from a leadership role? Or? Well, it's, it's from a leadership role, but in addition to that, he runs the football a lot. And a lot better than Tommy DeVito. And a lot better than DeVito. See, I feel like DeVito is better fit for, for Baber's offense. I don't think he's ready for it. He's not. He's still too young. Yeah. So I, I think Syracuse, I believe, will be better next year. Like they, They're getting some transfers in. That will be eligible next year. Their recruiting class is, is much better. They, they're going to be a better team. They're another year in Baber's system. Uh, what they've done this year is pretty astounding. Like at, at Syracuse winning the number of games that they have is just nuts. Uh, the yards differential here, 463 for Notre Dame, 234 for Syracuse. How do you feel about this? Syracuse kicked a field goal with 10 seconds left in the ballgame. Like, at that point, I mean, why not just go for the score? A 28-yard field goal. Just so you can say you didn't get shut out. Like, is that is that the whole – like, why do we want football to – I don't know. It, 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 seeing that, like, yes, to take away – or to take a shutout away from somebody, there's a little bit of pride in that, right? Yes. But it just seems kind of ridiculous. Doesn't matter. 
<laughs> but none of it matters. With 10 seconds left in the ballgame, none of that mattered. Like, you knew who the better team was in the first two minutes of that ballgame, and it yeah. was never going to be close. Notre Dame was focused on this game. Uh, they're a really good football team, and people have been people have been talking about whether or not Michigan would deserve to go in over an undefeated Notre Dame team, which is just a ridiculous narrative since Notre Dame beat them. Now, the other side of this is if Notre Dame were to lose this game, okay, then do you have an argument? Because Notre Dame still... I don't think so because Notre Dame changed quarterbacks. Yeah, and, and Notre Dame's better. Offensively, they are much better than they were when they played Michigan. Ian Book is, and Chris and I talked about this in our previews early in the season, or, or well, before the season. Before the season. How started. we felt like because Wimbush was just such a terrible passer, Brian Kelly's offense requires somebody that can actually accurately throw the football. And Book showed multiple times last year. I mean, he was the hero of, of the comeback against LSU. It's It was basically and, – and it didn't get nearly the play that, that Tua versus Jalen did for Alabama, but it was the same situation. You got a guy that's your, your team leader that is a playmaker. He can run the football. Not great throwing the football, but he's serviceable. You know, and, and he led him to a good record last year, but you see the difference – in this football team when you've got a guy that that can run the plays from the offensive coordinator. Well, it's, it's just different. There's too many defensive guys around now that understand what all the old coaches in the old SEC knew. Stop the run. Yeah. And make the other team beat you throwing the football. Yeah. And if you don't have somebody that can throw it, then you can run into problems. You're in trouble. At at any point. At any point, you can run into problems. Let's move on to the ACC. We've got our, our championship game set. Clemson 35, Duke 6. Uh, Duke was actually up 6 to nothing uh, early in this game, after the first quarter. Yeah, real early. And then <laughs> and then it just all went away. It was 14-6 to 6 at the half. Trevor Lawrence looks unbelievable. Um David Cutcliffe came out afterwards and said that this is the best team that he has faced in his 11 seasons in Durham. Do you buy that? Is this a better Clemson team than the Clemson team that won the national championship? I personally don't think so, but they're not far off. They, so talent-wise, I think they have more talent now than they did. I think the quarterback is still a little inexperienced, but... Lawrence, I believe, is a, a better true passer. But he's getting there quick. He's getting there. He's definitely getting there. Um, but I, I just – there was something about that team two years ago that I don't know that this one has. Now, this one does have a, a killer instinct, right? So yeah. when they when they smell blood in the water, they are, they are going for the kill. But they haven't played anybody that can punch them in the mouth. Like at, with Duke, it's like, you know, okay, well, they, they hit you with – with socks on, you know, <laughs> like that's it, it. wasn't a whole lot. Um, had Duke scored a couple of touchdowns early, maybe then you might have a different story. But the only difference that I see in this this Clemson team is that they don't have Deshaun Watson, and it's not from a talent standpoint; it's from a leadership standpoint. Yeah, um, it's, who is the leader of this football team? Right, and and I don't know that it, they didn't have it last year. No. Like Kelly Bryant 
they people would say that he yeah, was, the he leader was there the later, team. but he wasn't. But he wasn't. Um, and I don't know who it is this year. Like I, I'm kind of surprised that things didn't implode a little bit when they switched from Bryant to Lawrence because of the way that everything went down. But you know, when you're winning, everything feels pretty good. When they escaped Syracuse, I think that's what. Well, and add to that the fact that that Dabo is such a player's coach. Oh yeah, all those kids love him to death, and and they'll go to war for him. And they'll go to war for him. So, hmm. yeah, uh, Pitt thirty-four, Wake thirteen. Not Pitt, surprising. Pitt is on a six-game winning streak. They've they've covered six straight. They can run the football. Although Wake did, I mean, they just put eight guys in the box and said, "You're gonna have to throw it." And they did. And like they, they were did. able to do it. Uh, Pitt still ran the ball, I think, 48 times. And it was 3.3 yards per carry. So, like, you know, take for that what you will. Uh, they're, they're not going to give up on the run. But if you make them throw it, they got a guy that can throw it. Does Pitt have any chance of beating Clemson? Like, obviously, they've got Miami this week. And it's at Miami. And Miami just secured their bowl game with a win over Virginia Tech, which... That that is getting ugly in Blacksburg quickly. Um, what happened to Justin? I don't think it's so much Fuente. I think I think Bud Foster has kind of lot because this is a lot of this is defensive. Yeah, but they've also and Chris and I talked about this before the season. Virginia Tech had like seventy five percent of their roster are underclassmen right now, and they lost a ton of guys on defense before the season even started lost like three more starters in the middle of the year. Like they've just they're super inexperienced. They lost their starting quarterback back against Old Dominion and he hadn't come back yet. So, you know, I mean it's it's bad stuff. It's bad stuff down there right now. Uh I would not be shocked to see some staff changes. And I wouldn't be shocked to see Bud Foster gone. Like Ooh. I know that's that's crazy, but he's been there forever. If they are figuring out that he is not meshing with with Fuente and what they're trying to do on offense, then it might be time to bring in some new blood. It, the Virginia Tech defense had its spots in the latter years of Frank Beamer, but there were still times that they would absolutely get run all over. And it was not a, a Beamer problem. It was a defense problem. Yeah, And... They brought in an offensive guy to fix that side of the ball. Well, I mean, when your starting quarterback goes down and, you know, your recruits are still really, really young, like, obviously, you got to have time to, to build it back up. In his first season, he went 10-4 and four and went to the ACC championship game and nearly beat uh, Clemson, you know, and that was the national championship year. So, last year, you know, it uh, fall off but go to a bowl game. This year, no bowl game, no nothing. Like, it's, <laughs> it's bad juju. Uh, but back to Pitt and Clemson. Does Pitt have a shot at all of, of possibly punching Clemson in the mouth? To quote that great American poet, Yogi Berra, 90% of this game's half mental. Yeah. So, yeah, they got a chance if Clemson doesn't show up mentally. Is there a chance that, that they don't show up? Because, that, I mean, they haven't had a lot of spots that they have to get up for. Right? Like, it... I mean, you you kind of have to manufacture storylines to like get these guys interested in playing. Either that, or they just play 
out of pride. I mean, yeah. I mean, for an ACC championship game, that's something to play for. Yes, it is. Because you, you saw it with Florida State years ago when they played Duke in the uh, ACC championship game. If they like when they played Duke early in the year, it would have been thirty-five to ten, something like that. Instead, in the ACC championship game, it was seventy to three. So Clemson is immensely more talented. If if Pitt is able to run the football, I think they got a shot. But I mean, the line on this thing is going to be four touchdowns easy. Well, and I don't think they can run it. And I don't no. think Clemson will have to put eight in the box to stop it. Uh, no. No. As a matter of fact, I think they could probably stop it with their down four. <laughs> UCLA 34, USC 27. Ugly. Clay Helton on if he will return told a reporter, that's a great, uh, a great question for Mr. Swan. The athletic director. Yeah. Um, is he gone? I mean, how much does a, a Pac-12 championship and a Rose Bowl championship in your first two years buy you? There. I go back to my whole solid. Nobody can play anymore. If you stick with him one more year, he may win you another Rose Bowl. Yeah, I mean, it's possible. <laughs> because nobody out there can play. It's That's what's crazy. Like USC, I feel like, is held to a higher standard than just Pac-12 standards. But the other side of this is if you look at their recruiting rankings right now, I mean, they've got, you know, five four-stars and, like, eight three-stars. No five no five stars. Like, that, that is a telling sign. But USC is one of those that normally jumps in at the last minute and gets them. But yeah. now with the early signing period in December, what do you make of this? It, I, I think he's probably gone because I think – for USC to become successful again, I think they have to go outside of the family again. But where do they go? That is a fantastic question. I was actually going to ask you that. <laughs> I'm <laughs> I lost. I, so the rumor is like James Franklin might have worn out his welcome in College Station, but I think he's always been a Northeastern guy. Yeah. So, but but if you've got if it's a good coach, you don't necessarily have to have ties to that place. You go out and hire you a staff that has ties to that place. If you've got the guy, like the head guy that is a fantastic coach, it doesn't matter where they're from or, or what they do or what they know. Like Joe Moorhead at Mississippi State, he is already out recruiting what Dan Mullen did in his nine years. And Mullen had you know his ties to the Southeast and all that kind of crap. Well, Moorhead had nothing. But Moorhead hired guys that had the ties. If you've got a guy that you believe in, I don't think it matters. But now saying that, I don't think you go hire Neil Brown from Troy to go out to <laughs> yeah. USC. Like and, USC's a bigger job. And that's part of the problem with Clay. Yeah. Clay's a southeastern guy. Oh yeah. Even though he spent some time on the West Coast. I mean uh, it, Yeah. It's a, now do they I don't know who you go with. I mean T T Martin, like if they don't fire Clay Helton, you gotta get rid of T. And you get, but the problem is, like, then you lose whatever recruits you got, because T is about the only one recruiting out there. Like that USC thing is a dumpster fire waiting to happen. And it that game yesterday with UCLA and them felt like two programs just passing in the night. Yes, like that's exactly what it was. It was UCLA is on the comeuppance, and USC is is headed back down. And I don't know when they'll be able to get it fixed 
Uh, Maybe they could hire Lane again. Boy, that would be something, wouldn't it? <laughs> That's, hey, I'm all for it. Like anybody, any Power Five program that wants to hire Lane Kiffin, please, you will give me content for years. <laughs> Alabama 50, Citadel 17. Now, obviously, this isn't one that we would normally talk about, uh, but it was 10 to 10 at the half. It was a huge national story. Everybody's on upset alert, and oh my goodness, what's going to happen? Well, I mean, we saw what happened in the second half. 40 to 7 in the second half. Alabama finally woke up. Have they played an 11 a.m. game this year? Yeah, they've played a couple. And No, they played They played Arkansas, but that was an SEC game. I think they were fired up for that one. It, this was just a dead spot for Alabama. Like, between – after LSU and Mississippi State, two emotional, defensive, you know, just grind them out games, then you got this dud right before you play Auburn. And then Georgia. So, I mean, what do you kind of expect, right? So, there was no brace for Tua. He looked much healthier than he has in weeks. Yes. He was running around, scaring every Alabama fan to death. <laughs> when will SEC teams stop scheduling lower-level triple option teams because of cut blocks and the risk of injury? Well... In Saban's defense, when they scheduled this game, the Citadel wasn't playing the triple option. Well, yeah, that's it. <laughs> they weren't running it. I, th- I actually, so my wife brought that up to me yesterday. She was watching, and she sees these guys go at the Alabama lineman knees. And she said, why would they even schedule this game? And I said, Really? Yeah, uh, because well, because I kept pointing out, obviously, I'm. You see what they're doing? Like it's you know, it's dangerous. Like if somebody's gonna get their knee taken out, and you know, several guys did have lower leg injuries, and you hate to see that before uh, rivalry games and SEC title games and whatnot. But um, I told her that when the game was scheduled, which was eight, nine, ten years ago, that Citadel was not a triple option team, and now they are. But the game is on the books and. After the Georgia Southern game back in 2011 with the uh, the shit through a tin horn statement, like, no, I don't think Saban did this one on purpose. I no. don't think he ever wants to play a triple option team before Auburn. <laughs> what was or, the what was the note that they put up yesterday? Oh, Peter, Peter Burns, you're talking yeah. about, where he said, uh, "There's there's three, three different- times that you don't want to play a triple option team. That is the first game of the season, the last game of the season, or anywhere in the middle of the season." <laughs> <laughs> you just don't want to play them if you don't have play to. Them. Now, the good thing is that Georgia will get to play one that is a little bit bigger and better uh, this week before the SEC championship game. So, But I don't think that Georgia Tech has to do the same things that teams like the Citadel do. right? When you're going up against – like when you are completely outmanned, just at, the weight difference is so high – you are going at the knees every time. You are you were going for cut blocks like down the field, and you and I talked about this before. They they don't they don't call it anymore. It's you you can't do it five yards past the line of scrimmage, right? Right. But they don't call it anymore. So like even in the secondary, these guys are, are still doing cut blocks. Well, nobody calls anything anymore. Right. You you're right about that. That's Except it. targeting, yeah, they they will they will drop a flag on targeting like if you breathe on somebody the wrong In way. A heartbeat, but will the, will they ever stop scheduling triple option teams because of that? Because of the risk of injury? 
I don't think so. I don't I don't think you can avoid it. It's it all comes back to money and who you can get to play you at home that doesn't expect a game in return. And there are very few and, and the FCS is full of triple option teams. And the reason that they're full is because they're all undermanned. Yeah. And they try to do things that will allow them to be competitive. And that's one of the things that you can do to be competitive yeah. is bring something that nobody sees but once a year. Yeah. So And that's how you end up in ten ten ball games at halftime with the number one team in the country. Yes. Because they had not seen it at all this year. And, well, I whew. I think their defense played well. Um, now, Citadel with, or Alabama? Alabama. Yeah, I, th- I thought it was with fine. What, with what they were facing, it, it, their problem did not seem to be defensive intensity at all or a lack of understanding what they were playing. Their problem seemed to be that their offense didn't show up. It's the same thing yeah. that they went through after they built a 14-point lead with Mississippi State. Yeah. It's almost like... <laughs> like they were put on a pedestal and... Well, it's almost like there's there's something going on with the calls that are being made to maybe keep them from scoring so much. Now I had not thought about that. I- explain that to me. Like, what what would be the purpose of not scoring so much? Well, or is it maybe like giving teams uh, a glimmer of of confidence before you demolish them when you get to them? <laughs> well, I don't know that it's it's giving teams a false hope, but you're not putting anything else on film for them to look at. Number one. Okay. Okay. Number I two, do see that. you're going against what you have done all year, which breaks your trends. Okay. It makes people look at other things. So it, that is an interesting way of uh, of looking at that. I had not thought about that. I thought maybe they were just playing against some pretty good defenses. It's an old school. Like yesterday, process. I do feel like in the second half they had to open the playbook a little more. They did. And once they did that, I mean, obviously they just ran off touchdown after touchdown after touchdown, and it was at that point it was done. Like yes. the the first two touchdowns of the second half, one was a fumble return, the other was uh, was a two up pass or whatever. At that point, the game was done. They keep two out for just a little bit longer, and then fourth quarter comes and it's Jalen time. Which yes. did that surprise you? He's back so quickly from an high ankle sprain. Um. Yes and no. I, I thought maybe they'd hold him out another week. But I think what they said in the press conference after the ball game yesterday was that they wanted to get him some playing time just to knock the rust off. Yeah, and because, just in case you need him for Auburn or something like that. Like yes. You don't want his first game action in a month to be against Auburn's defensive line. No. Like that would be a disaster. Uh, let's move on from that. Let's talk about uh, we we got to run through these fairly quickly. Utah 30, Colorado 7, and Washington State 69, Arizona 28. Uh, those two games, well, and then the other side of this, Washington beats Oregon State about uh, 19 or something. I mean, it was just whatever. They could have named their score, uh, and they named it a very short margin because Oregon State's new coach, Jonathan Smith, is Chris Peterson's former offense coordinator. Um, Colorado, Mike McIntyre fired this morning. 
We saw that. What does Colorado do? Like, do you, do you go with somebody that has Pac-12 ties that can get into California? Or do you go with somebody that has been the traditional guy for Colorado, which is somebody that has Texas ties? Like, I, I think what Kentucky did with Mike Stoops, where he said, all the SEC is going for down here. We're going to go for Ohio. Like, we're going to try and sell stuff to Ohio. Like, well, if you're in the Pac-12, do you try and sell the Pac-12 to people from Texas? Or do you just try and, like, what are the expectations here? Who can you, who can you get? All depends on what the university wants to do. If the university wants to get in the football business, then they'll go find somebody either from Texas or California because there's just not an awful lot of high school talent in Colorado. There's not no. a lot. In well, and the best player that they've got is actually from Texas. Like, LaVisca Chenault is yeah. from Texas, and he hadn't played a whole lot this year, but McIntyre going from 5-0 and to 5-6 and this year was pretty interesting. So I, I thought maybe they would wait and see what happened in the Cal game. They did not wait for that. It, this this dude went ten and four two years ago, went five and seven last year. He's five and six this year. I think they are finally just done with it. And that, on top of the, I guess, kind of hiding uh, domestic assault by one of his assistants uh, early in the se- or last off season, whatever it was, just a train wreck situation over there. Washington State sixty nine, Arizona twenty eight. Gardner Minshew with seven touchdowns. Do you want to go to Alabama and be a backup, or do you want to come out here <laughs> and be a Heisman Trophy finalist and end up in New York? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that's a pretty easy sell. But I, now, Chris and I have talked about this on the show, and I said the point like of him going to Alabama was he wants to go into coaching after he's done. Who better to learn from than Nick Saban? Unless you have been brought up in air raid systems your entire quarterbacking life and the guru of the air raid system wants you to come and play quarterback for him for a year. Yeah. Like, that is 100% the sell because I don't think anybody saw this coming from Washington State. Uh, This sets up Washington State versus Washington, the Apple Cup, for uh, that Pac-12 division, and then Utah handled the Pac-12 South. So... It will be Utah against one or the other, and Utah has played both of them already this year. Now, they lost both of those games. That's their two of their conference losses. Um, would Utah State, or would Utah have any chance against Washington State? Washington would, State actually plays a little defense. They are number 40 in the country in against uh, uh Against Pac-12 offenses. Well, against Pac-12 offenses, but 40 in the country in yards per play yeah. on defense. Pac-12 offenses have known to, to put up points. Yes. That's pretty impressive. Like, they are yes. they are really doing some good things. And, and and their points per game does not look bad. No, their their points per game is, is significantly bad. I mean, they gave up 28 to Arizona, but they were up like 55 to 14 at the half. Yeah. It was a disaster. And in Leach, of course, at halftime said, well, we're only about halfway there. And, and everybody's going, God, is he going for 100? Like, no, he, he was going to not get anybody hurt. Uh, because next week is, is the big game. They have not beaten Washington since he's been there. This could be the year. Where is like, that ball game? 
It is in Pullman. So, Washington going to Washington State could be interesting. Yes. Could be very interesting. Uh, they will be fired up in the Palouse for sure. UCF 38, Cincy 13. Did you watch any of this? I watched enough to know that uh, UCF's a good football team. Yeah, they absolutely are. At Cincinnati, three turnovers, two missed field goals, a turnover on downs. They had their spots. The yardage total makes it look like, eh, it might have been a closer game. 402 to 379. UCF actually uh, outgained them, but it was not by much. It was not close, though. Uh, but the go- the ball game was never in doubt. No. Never in doubt. It was, what, 21 to 6 at the half, I think. And, and yep. UCF could have named their score. Um, yeah, it's a good football team. And and they changed coaches, and they still look good. They, they lost some NFL talent, and, you know, they, they are stockpiled there. Yes, now, they are. But is there any chance that they can actually sneak their way into the playoff? I'll let I already you know, know that the in answer. a few minutes. I already know the answer to that. But <laughs> uh, to wrap up, Memphis beat SMU 28 to 18. Houston beat Tulane 48 to 17. That sets up Memphis versus Houston for the AAC West for the right to go play against UCF. Memphis is the only team that has actually gotten close to beating UCF. They probably should have won that ball game at the yes. Liberty Bowl. Um, but, obviously, it started raining, and Memphis can't play in the rain for whatever reason. It's like the Wicked Witch of the West or something. Uh, Utah State 29, Colorado State 24. Hail Mary at the last second next. Uh, Jordan Love uh, threw a touchdown pass with about 40 seconds left in that ball game. That sets up Utah State against Boise State for the MWC Mountain Division. Fresno won the Western Division uh, last night, or the Mountain West West, whatever, <laughs> uh, 23-14 over San Diego State. So you've got Fresno against the winner of Utah State and Boise State, which is actually the much more entertaining Group of Five conference right now. The Mountain yes, West is. Is, is a lot of fun. Uh, the AAC has been... Ugh. Well, what you yeah. have with, with UCF and the AAC is the same thing that you had with Boise 10, 12, 15 years ago? Yeah. Where there was nobody else in their conference that could play with them. And when they changed conferences and stepped up their level of competition. Then you started seeing... Then you started seeing them have to get ready to play every week. And, and they're still not quite to... It didn't work out so well. Yeah, where they're losing a couple of games a year and, and all that. So... It will be a, a fun weekend of football, to say the least. You're going to be back in tomorrow to go through that. But for now, we are going to run through um, our top ten and our playoff predictions. First, go to tunicaltravel.com. They got all the wonderful things on all their six sports books. And go over to winningcureseverything.com. We'll be back with our top ten and our playoff predictions. The Winning Cures Everything College Football Top 10 after week number 12. Brought to you, as every show is, by Tunica, Mississippi, the South's premier sports gambling destination. You can go check out all six of their awesome sports books over at tunicatravel.com. Let's fire into this thing. We're going to do our, our top 10 from 10 to 1. Now, I don't think there's a whole lot of drama at the top. But at the bottom, it could be interesting, right? At least I would think so. I'm going to start us off. And then I'll, I'll give you, once we get through about five of these, I'll give you where the the split is. Okay? 
Number 10, I've got Ohio State. And I thought about dropping them completely out yesterday. <laughs> but then I, I run into the problem of who else who do you else put in? Who else do you put? Like, I, I don't think you... I don't think there's anybody to put in it. Well, and I'm kind of in the same place. My number 10 is LSU. Because okay. why not? Well, let's see. I've got LSU actually higher. So <laughs> I couldn't rank them any higher. Uh, well, I, that offense is something, something bad. Something bad. But against teams that can't play defense? Yeah. Like they, they, they might be able to. Like I could see them putting up 30-something points on Ohio State. And I think their defense could maybe slow down Ohio State. I think you're so, right. So, you know, uh, who uh, who have you got at 10? You got LSU? Got LSU at 10. All right, number nine for me, I dropped Oklahoma. I had them at six last week. And then I, after they give up almost 10 yards a carry and 330-plus-odd yards to Kansas, I just I got to drop them back to nine. This is This is not a playoff team. We're thinking the same direction. At nine, I've got Ohio State. Okay. Which, so, these are the same team. Oklahoma and Ohio State are the same yes, team. Yes, they are. Uh, at number eight, after last night, I, I moved UCF up. I've got UCF at number eight. Same. Really? Absolutely the same. Okay. I, I didn't know if, because you're, you're kind of the old guard. I don't like them. I don't think that they've done anything to deserve being there. They are annoying, but, but their, like but I their said marketing about campaign the is fantastic. Yes, it is. <laughs> but like I said about LSU, why not? Yeah, who else are you going to put up there? That's. I mean, they, they, they've beaten – Cincinnati was the other best group of five team in their conference. Yes. And they smoked them. They beat them soundly. So at that point, I have LSU at number seven. I think that LSU would beat UCF, and and there's a chance we might get to see that game. And God, I really hope so, because it's going to put Chris in a weird spot. Because <laughs> yes, like, he's is. an LSU fan, but he has been he's been cheering he's, for UCF. He's been tooting the UCF horn. Uh, yeah, <laughs> very much so. Very much so. Uh, who have you got at seven? I've got Oklahoma at seven. I had them higher, and then dropped them. Huh. All right, now tell me, why why would you have them over UCF or whoever? Like, do you... Name recognition. That's <laughs> You're just going to go on and throw it out there. Just put it out like, there. Like, just put it out there. Name Oklahoma. recognition. Okay. Because okay. of where they've been the last five years. That makes sense. I mean, they've been in these big games. Yes. Like, I don't think anything would shock them. Um, that's interesting. All right, and then number six, I've got Washington State. Same. Same. All right. We I had be... Oklahoma above Washington State and moved them back behind. Yeah. It, because the, the defense is just atrocious for the Sooners right now. Yes. I mean, it's just bad stuff. Just bad, bad stuff. Um, all right. Now, before I move into the top five, I'm going to read off some numbers for you. So, at my number 11 team would have been West Virginia, and I even thought about keeping West Virginia above Ohio State. Uh, West Virginia, number 52. In yards per play defense. Ohio State, number 85. Oklahoma, number 78. UCF, number 45. LSU, number 23. And then Washington State, number 40. Now, let's move into the top five. Michigan 
is my number five team. I moved them from number four down to number five. I think Georgia is more talented. I'm just going to go on and give you my four. I got Georgia at four. Who you got five and four? I've got Georgia at five and, and Michigan, Michigan at four. And I think it's about the same thing. Yes, it is. You know, it's, it, at this point, it doesn't matter. We're going to see who's better because you well, get Georgia-Alabama and you get Michigan-Ohio State. You mentioned earlier a split. This is where the split happens. Yeah. These five teams are there unless something goes goofy. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and anything could go goofy. I mean, Michigan could absolutely lose to Ohio State this weekend. Yes. I don't think it'll happen. I don't either, and I don't think it elevates Ohio State into the into the top into four. the top four. But you might be right. Um, here's the difference: Michigan is number two in the country in yards per play defense. Georgia is number twenty eight. Does that surprise you? Georgia is not as good defensively as they were last year. No, they so Roquan Smith covered up a lot of. He was really good. Yeah, he was a generational talent. And they they had really strong team leadership last year. Yes, they did. And I don't feel like they've got that this year. Well, like, I think Jake Fromm is your leader, but, like, who's the leader on, on defense? You don't have... Is it Baker? You don't mm-hmm. have the upperclassmen with this team that you had with the team last year. Yeah. Fromm last year could rely on... Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb to be the voice to be the voice to the entire team. Yeah, you don't have that this year. No, no, you definitely don't. But Kirby's replacing stuff with talent. Uh, yes, and and, and I think this year is this was not the year. No, this next is a reload year, year. Yeah, next year is the year. And Agreed. That is going to be a scary, scary football team next year. Yes, I it do is. have Georgia at four because I think they're more talented. Um. I think if they played next week, I think Georgia would beat Michigan. But, you know, I mean, obviously this will all fix itself. Yes, it um, will. Number three, I've got Notre Dame. Now, I feel like because Chris has been in my ear so much that I should have put Notre Dame at two because they got better wins. And, like, if, if we're not basing things on resume at this point, like, what are we doing? Like, Clemson hasn't really beaten anybody. Unless, I mean, you can say Texas A&M, but at that point, like, Alabama beat them significantly worse than, than Clemson did. Clemson had to go on but, the road to do it. But but Clemson's way. playing with a different quarterback now. And they are much better offensively than they were early in the year. That's true. That is true. Um, you got the same thing? You got Notre Dame 3? I've got Notre Dame 3. I've got Clemson two, and I've got Alabama one. Alabama's one until until further notice. Uh, I did feel a little better watching Alabama in the second half yesterday, which I know sounds kind of kind of goofy, uh, but they they just looked healthier. It, which you know they it it's like what you were talking about before, where like maybe they are maybe they're not scoring as many points on purpose. Which is strange to think, but, yeah, you just stop showing film. A couple of things that are a little bit scary for Alabama right now. If Deontay Thompson and Damian Harris are not able to play, they've been, they've been holding Damian Harris back all yeah. year. He's only averaged about eight carries a ball game. Yep. 
for the entire year. If those two kids are not able to play against Auburn and against Georgia in the SEC championship game, that's a completely different football team. Oh, yeah. Because you're losing leadership, number one, but you're losing some some really good talent that cannot be replaced. With Deontay Thompson, it absolutely cannot be replaced. Now, there's a stable of running backs. There are, but none of them bring the same thing to the table that Damian Harris does. Agreed. Uh, he can catch out of the backfield. He's Like, Josh Jacobs, serviceable. Not even serviceable. Just really good. Josh but is a good football player. Completely different yes. kind of running back. Yes. Najee Harris, more your, your Derrick Henry type. Yes. Like a bruising, just pound it through the middle, whatever. Damian Harris is catch the ball out of the backfield. He can run between the tackles. He can do whatever you need yeah. him to do out of the same position. Yeah. It's... Yeah, that will be interesting. Um, do you feel like people have put... You know what? We're going to talk about this in the playoff predictions. We're going to get to that here in a minute. All right. Um, as always, brought to you by Tunica, Mississippi. Go check them out, tunicatravel.com. Go over to winningcureseverything.com. If you're on YouTube, hit that subscribe button for us. College football playoff predictions after week 12. Brought to you by winningcureseverything.com and... TunicaTravel.com. Tunica, Mississippi is the South's premier sports gambling destination. They got six awesome sports books down there. All the information on all of them is over at TunicaTravel.com. Let's jump into this thing. We're going to make this one a shorter video today. Um, for those that have not seen the other videos, this is my father. Chris is in Disney World this week. So he will be chiming in with his picks and whatnot. We'll, uh, we'll be tossing those, splicing them into our picks uh, video and uh, Lee will be here for the picks as well as the previews later on in the week. So um, let's go ahead and jump in. Did you do a five and six for your playoff predictions? I did not bring a five and six. I don't think it necessarily matters because it, and Chris always does this, right? I bring a five and six because I want to know like who is the closest to it. And now for those that have not seen our playoff predictions before, this is what we believe will happen on Selection Sunday. This is not what the playoff should be if it ended today. This is what we think it will be at the end of the season. Now, Chris always says five and six don't matter. They got left out. They're losers. Who cares? And I say, yeah, but like if you got a five and six, then you understand where we were to get to this point, right? So... My five and six, number six, I've got UCF. Because I think that they will move them up just to kind of get them to shut up. Like, they won't let them in the playoff, but they'll rank them higher to show, well, we respect y'all. Because you know they're not going to go undefeated again next year. And if you just keep playing. <laughs> if you just keep going, just make sure you schedule that game, right? Like just, That's right. You know. Did you see that Alabama – now, Alabama was never reached out to about it. But the Camping World Classic reached out to UCF just to kind of gauge their interest on, hey, would y'all want to replace Louisville and y'all play against that? That would have been the highest rated game maybe of the season. Yes. It, it would have been, been insane. Uh, and instead, we get a 2-8 a and eight Bobby Petrino-led team uh, <laughs> that just what gets a slaughtered. disaster that turned out to oh, be. Oh, man. Um, 
Yeah, that was bad. So UCF at number six. I've got Washington State number five. Now, obviously, I believe there's going to be some chaos. Sounds like it. Yeah. Um, let's start off with your number four. Who have you got number four? I believe in much more chaos. Oh, really? I've got UCF at number four. Now, is this because you, as an Alabama fan, want to play UCF? Or <laughs> or is this like an actual... This is an actual prediction of what's going to go on. I've got a suspicion that Washington State doesn't make it out of next week. I mean, that's... That's not crazy because they haven't beaten Washington since Leach got there. So In a long time. Yeah. I've got Clemson at three. Okay. It, you know what? Let's go through our four, and then I want, I want us to break down our, our scenarios. Okay. Um, my four is Ohio State. Okay. Then I've got Notre Dame three, Clemson two, Alabama one. Last week I had Georgia in that top four because I thought Tua was done. I thought he was done, and and Jalen had not shown any signs of being any better. And not not that like it it, it would not be like uh, Jalen's just not good, even if he was healthy. Like Jalen was not healthy. Yes, and he was in a walking boot and whatnot. I didn't think Alabama with Mac Jones. <laughs> Or or a fifty percent to a tongue of Iloa would be able to beat Georgia in the SEC championship game. However, yesterday Tua playing without the knee brace on looks a lot healthier. His throws were more accurate. He's not he wasn't overthrowing stuff. He could put pressure on that right knee. Like he looked better. And if he is healthy, I think they can overcome some flaws in the defense if Thompson is out, if Harris is out, etc. I think that team rallies around that kid. So I think Alabama is is back in at number one for me, at Clemson at two, Notre Dame three, Ohio State four. What do you have at one and two? I've got Alabama at one and Notre Dame at two. Okay. Using the logic that we have used, Notre Dame's wins are just better. Yeah. Even if Clemson runs the table. And they have the 13th data point, and it they, doesn't matter. And they beat whoever they beat in the ACC championship game. They still haven't played anybody. Okay. The best team on their schedule is Texas A&M. That's, yeah. I mean, because Boston College got beat by Florida State. NC State has got three losses. Um, But, like, what team doesn't have three losses at this point, right? (laughs) The only two Power 5 teams that have two losses are West Virginia and uh, LSU. And LSU will probably end with two, but... I mean, would it shock you if they lose to Texas A&M? No. Wouldn't shock me at all. Wouldn't shock me at all either. Um, so my scenario is is actually kind of simple. I think Washington State wins the Pac-12. I think Ohio State beats Michigan and then beats Northwestern. And Notre Dame, Clemson, Alabama all went out. So it's nothing too crazy. I think Oklahoma will end up losing to West Virginia or... Texas or what they will lose a ball game because I think that defense is so bad that if any team can get stops at all on their offense, then they'll beat them. Um, and if they take a loss, then they are back out. So that's I've got UCF at six because I don't think that the the powers that be want them in there. But I mean, it would make for some serious ratings at least early. 
And I think that might be like so. I think we've got number four. You've got UCF at four, and I've got Ohio State at four. And I think it's the same reasoning. Well, and it's it's the logic that we used earlier with Ohio State. I think that Ohio State beats Michigan at home. Okay. But I don't think that that's enough to to move Ohio to move State them all into the, the top four. Well, then how does UCF move into the top four? Because they're undefeated. I've, I've got UCF at eight. Ranked immediately above them are Oklahoma and Washington State. And if both of those lose? Both of those get beat. Okay. Then I've got Georgia at five. If they lose to Alabama in the SEC championship game, Okay, okay. I I look at it this way, and this is the conspiracy theorist that, that you turned me into. <laughs> Ohio State has got, and, and after yesterday's win over Maryland, it, with the last second thing and whatnot, the viewership on that was going to be insane. They will have five of the top 16 most viewed college football games of the season. Ohio State. The last however many years, whenever they whenever they have two teams that are kind of right there for that fourth spot, every single year it has gone to the team that averaged more viewers throughout the college football season. You mean ratings matter? Chris and I have talked, and Chris is so mad about this all the time because I tell him this is a TV show. Like, this was made for TV. It yes. is not... Like an actual legitimate championship, it is a TV show. Follow the money. Yes. And the money, I think, would be Ohio State. Unless. However. Unless you get UCF and Alabama, which has been built up and, and it, <laughs> nobody has, has thought it was even a remote possibility. But if that game were to happen. There would be a lot of people watching. Early. Yes, there would. Yes, there would. And and maybe more so than would watch Alabama and Ohio State. Because I think everybody would see the same outcome for both games. Like, Alabama would be expected to win both games by 20-some-odd points. But I think the country would be more interested in a, a G5 team. They would be interested in watching a team that can play a little defense. Yeah, and UCF, 45th in the country, uh, yards per play defense. Ohio State, 85th in the country. <laughs> it's really ugly. It's so bad. And and UCF actually plays better offenses than Ohio State does. Yes. Like, that's what is so absurd about it. Like, it, Ohio State in the Big Ten is playing the slug it out, like, ground it out, all that good, running game, and... and Maryland had 300-and-something yards rushing on them. Like, that is just absurd to me. I don't. It, so, since we have a couple of minutes, did Tennessee dodge a bullet by not hiring Greg Schiano? Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it, is this Greg Schiano's fault for this defense being this bad, or is it just the culture of the program itself? I think it's just the culture of the program itself. I the one thing that you that you have to remember about Ohio State is that they've got as much talent on the defensive side of the ball as Alabama as anybody else in the country. Yeah. 
It's a mental game. And they obviously are not there mentally. So is that on the head coach for not getting them ready? Is that on the defensive coordinator for not teaching them properly? It may just be a combination of all of it. Yeah. Culture. (sighs) It's nuts. It's nuts. All right, so playoff prediction rundown. I've got four Ohio State, three Notre Dame, two Clemson, one Alabama. Who have you got? I'm at UCF four, Clemson three, Notre Dame two, Alabama one. I like it. I like it. So so we're going to see Clemson and Notre Dame play. I think so. I think that'll actually be a pretty good ball game. All right, that wraps up this week. I think they played last year. Clemson Notre Dame. Yeah. Did they? Think so. I think it was early in the year last year. No, no, no. It, it couldn't. Or was it two years ago? I think it was two years ago. And Clemson beat them. Close. Late. Yeah. It was, uh, was it the Deshaun Kaiser year? No, it was three years ago. It's no. been a long time. It's, I'm old. It's It's been a little while because I, I believe that was... Man, let me think. Uh, that was the year that it was like a monsoon. Yeah, I think that was like 2015. That was that was. <laughs> this is riveting radio, <laughs> riveting YouTube, all that. But the wonderful thing about the internet is we can actually look up when they last played. Da, 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 da. Let's see, 2015. So and it was a close game. So October third, two thousand fifteen, Clemson won. I think twenty four to twenty two. Yep, twenty four twenty two. Yep, Notre Dame was number six. Clemson was number twelve. This was before Clemson like had made the playoff and and went on this crazy run. So that will wrap up our college football week twelve playoff predictions. Head over to tunicatravel.com. Tunica, Mississippi is the presenting sponsor of the show. they got six awesome sports books. Go over to the website, check them out. Winningcureseverything.com has got all of our stuff. If you're on YouTube, hit subscribe. Leave some comments. Tell us what you think. What's your top four? Let us know. Dad will be back in for the rest of the week. We will have more videos up later on. We appreciate y'all guys being in here. It's time for the rundown. Remember, check out winningcureseverything.com. You can give us a like on Facebook, facebook.com slash winningcureseverything. You can follow us on Twitter, at winningcures. You can follow myself, at GaryWCE. You can follow me at Chris B. Giannini, C-H-R-I-S-B-G-I-A-N-N-I-N-I. You can also email the show, that's winningcureseverything at gmail.com. And we now have a voicemail line. That number is 551 226 9899. If you want to call and bash us for talking bad about your favorite team, or praise us, or just tell us about how awesome your team is doing, leave us a voicemail. That number again is 551 226 9899, and we may toss it on the show. Thank you for supporting this show, and until next time, have a good one, guys. Hey, don't forget, subscribe to the Winning Cures Everything podcast on iTunes and make sure you leave a review. 
For every 25 written five-star reviews we get on iTunes, we are donating to St. Jude's Children's Hospital and LeBonner's Children's Hospital in Memphis, Tennessee. So subscribe and review on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, and all your favorite podcast apps. Remember, the Winning Cures Everything podcast. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.